Guys, welcome back to Going Deep with Brett English. We are joined by medicine man Joel Camp today, and uh, we're going to dive into a lot of different topics about medicine and shamanism and things like that. Beautiful. Beautiful, man. Could you tell us um, how earth blessings came about? Uh, plant medicine had always been a big, I guess, a, a big thing for me. Mm. Um, growing up, my grandmothers were, I guess the common term now would be hedge witch. Mm. Um, both of them were, were herbal healers. Oh, beautiful. Um, and so I was introduced to the, the power of like plants um, mm. in terms of like, you know, navigating toothaches, headaches, just simple, simple mm. things. Um, and then that was kind of, you know, my, my formative years. Um, and then awesome. I, I went off and decided to pursue a career in commercial cookery. Mm. But okay. I found I always kept drawing back to the medicinal aspect of, of food, um, of herbs, of food. And so I was kind of trying to sneak as much medicine mm. into the food that I was cooking okay. as, as possible. Um, and then working, you know, ridiculously high pressure, high stress jobs. Yeah. Um, I had fallen into addiction as a way of maintaining the energy and the vigor that was needed to work you know, 100 hours a week. Oh, wow. Um, and that was like, um, I'm, I'm assuming, chef work yes. in kitchens and yep. late, late hours and stuff like yep. that. Early mornings, late hours. Um, working in some of the best restaurants in, in Australia. Oh, wow. Um, well, you know, chasing that as a, as a lifestyle, as a dream, as a goal. Mm. Um, and yeah, in order to maintain that, I had to, well, I didn't have to, but I chose to look at amphetamines as a way of mm. sustaining, um, you know, how can I work more? How can I be more? How can I, how can I be on the job before anyone else and off yeah. the job after anyone else? True, and amphetamines would be perfect for that. Yep. Yeah, that's what um, it was designed for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which wasn't a healthy thing at all. No. Um, and when I realized that that was something that was hugely negative impacting my life mm. um, in, in multiple, multiple ways. Um, you know, I, I, went, I went through the rehab program and then I found medicines like San Pedro and Ayahuasca oh, um, nice. in order to help me move through and understand what was the root of my addictive tendencies. Mm. Um, and that was my introduction to that style of plant medicine. Wow. Um, but then, you know, I, so I changed, you know, I changed a lot of things in my life, mm. but I was still heavily in that commercial cookery world. And although I'd stepped back from a lot of really high-end top-name restaurants and mm. was just running uh, other restaurants, they were still large restaurants, the pressure was still mounting. Mm. Um, I was working less hours, but I had no real way of navigating that amount of stress. Yeah. So like compounding stress, long hours, fatigue, addiction recovery, I found that like, um, well the first thing that was, was like, I was having erectile dysfunction. Mm. Uh, like really low it's libido, no yeah, <laughs> really low libido, erectile dysfunction, and at the time mm. I was in my early, early twenties, mm. and I'm like, this can't be, can't be good. This can't be the way forward. Yeah. Like, this can't be what life is for. Hundred mm. uh, percent. Yeah. And would you find that just like um, the lack of sleep and, and the heavy yep. stress would just 
draining you of your life yeah, force. Everything was just draining of life force. Mm. Um, and so, but like my, my main, you know, being a mid twenties, early to mid twenties man, my yeah. main concern was my dick. True. Um, yeah. <laughs> Even still today. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just like, I, I, I can't have, you know, Viagra can't be the thing that sustains me for the rest of my life. I'm twenty. True. Mm. Um, and so that was the point that I, you know, I called my grandmothers and I'm like, hey, like, mm. do you know about aphrodisiacs? And they pointed me into, into, you know, a few things that they knew. But yeah. one of my, one of my friends and one of my grandmothers both suggested that I seek out the aid of a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. Okay. Um, and so I, I did. And you know, we, we, we started working with a few programs mm. and within six months my my libido um, and my function was pretty much the same as when I was fourteen. Like I, wow. I was I was insatiable. Beautiful. It's Chinese medicine. Yeah. Um, mm. and that was like I guess outside of being a child, the first time I really saw how powerful herbs and plants can be. Mm. And so it was that point that I, I decided to cut back the amount of hours that I was working um, and so that I would have three days a week. Awesome. And I just dedicated those days to training under, mm. under the doctors, um, under any, any traditional Chinese medicine doctor that would take me in, that would essentially let me do work experience or apprentice under them. Mm. Um, and so I spent probably four, four years under three different doctors wow. um, in Chinese medicine just like, you know, initially running errands, um, yeah. you know, helping fill caps and getting things from the shelf, but like getting to build relationships with the medicine. Yeah. And because I, you know, I'm like, I, I want to do this unpaid. Like, I don't expect you to pay me. Yeah. I, I just, I, I want to learn from you. Mm. Um, That's beautiful. And they were very forthcoming with knowledge. So I ended up spending about four years training with three different doctors. Mm. And then I was just like, okay, what other traditional medicines are? Are there? Mm. Um, and so then I did the thing for a few years with an Ayurvedic doctor. Okay, cool. And then went back to my family lineage to understand more of like the European mm. hedge witch witchcraft style of yeah. herbal medicines. Awesome. So what, what's your lineage exactly? Is it Nordic or? Um, it's predominantly Celtic. Yeah, okay. So Celtic, Nordic, and Australian Indigenous. Okay, amazing. Yeah. Beautiful, man. So you got a lot of um, knowledge there from different different yeah, places. Yeah, a, a lot of different, a lot of different, um, a lot of different medicine work mm. to draw upon, and so that's largely what I do now. Wow. Um, that's what Earth Birthings is. That's got yeah, it's all the, the stuff accumulation of, of everything, and mm. um, you know, coming from that sort of European, more witchcraft background through my family, and mm. then that's that's made up a lot of my religious practice for. Yeah. You know, for the majority of my life, mm. um, and so then now, what Earth Blessings is is the interweaving of traditional herbal medicines um, and the esoteric understanding and properties of herbs as well. Mm. So that they they work on an energetic, a spiritual, and a and a physical level. Amazing. Yeah, I was about to ask that when you are working with the plants and you're making these, these tinctures and, and tonics and getting the energetic properties to, to work, is there some kind of method behind that to really activate the herbs in a, in a way that 
people normally just can't by just consuming them? Yeah, I, I use traditional alchemical processes. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot. It's a maceration period, mm. followed by a decalcination period. So essentially, you're extracting the mm. spirit from the plant during the maceration, and then augmenting what would typically be considered the waste or the plant material mm. um, back into ashes and salts, so that it can be added back into the final product. Oh, wow. creating like a, a more holistic approach. So instead of just separating body and spirit, we're separating them, consecrating them, concentrating them, mm. and then re-augmenting. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful process, hey? Yeah. And can you tell us about the, um, the, the tattoo, the symbol you've got here? Yes, yeah. um, that is terra firma. Well, commonly known as the earth symbol, terra firma, and mm. often represented as the medicine wheel. Okay, beautiful. Um, and... It's been used by a, a lot of a lot of shamanic, a lot of ancient, and a lot of esoteric societies yeah. um, as a connection to both the earth and the spirit realms. Mm. Um, I've seen it pop up a few times, yeah. like over my lifetime, and it's like, wow, this symbol's. It really, is a potent yeah. symbol. Yeah. Um, and I, I used it as part of the Earth Blessings logo. Mm -hmm. um, because it represents that, that earth element, mm. you know, the, the essentially the, the earth, fire, water, wind, mm. um, the meeting crux in the middle. So it, it represents, it represents the, the, the natural world. Nice. Um, and so my commitment to myself, to my practices, to mm. this medicine life um, was to essentially wear it on my face. Mm. Um, and that way, it's a way of holding myself accountable and, mm. and checking in, you know, like if, if I'm not living to my true potential, if I'm not following the calling of spirit and yeah. the lust and belief in the power of the natural world and these mm. natural medicines that I hold. Beautiful. Um, I, that's something I need to face every day when I look in the mirror. So it's a mm. way of, of going like, are you, uh, am I living my purpose mm. not only today, but every day? Just going all in. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. I've often toyed with the idea of um, getting the, the eye of Ra tattooed yep. on, on my face here, just behind the ear. But my only commitment is like, well, I won't be able to get a job or it'll hinder my, and I'm like, I don't want a job. I yeah. want to fully commit to the spiritual path and yeah. work amongst that. So. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> it may be a big commitment step, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, like the, once that commitment's been made, you know, like... Can't go back. No, but the universe, you know, the universe loves courage. Nature, mm. nature loves courage. Mm. And I see nature, source, spirit, the universe, um, all as the same creative energy. Mm. And so, like, if you show... If you show nature courage, nature will reward you. Yeah, I, I honestly believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us about um, being a medicine man and what, what that involves and some things you help people through in, in, that, in that world? Um, for me, medicine man encapsulates everything that I do. Yeah. Um, whether it's through sharing psychoactive plant medicines mm. in order to allow people to experience more of themselves mm. to find loving places for their trauma and to be able to hold 
people in the depth and the beauty of the human experience, mm. um, all the way through to what I do with catering. Yeah. By by, you know, working on nutrient, working with whole organic nutrient dense foods. Beautiful. Um, incorporating lots of herbs, lots of adaptogens. Mm. Um, and through to the work that I do with with Earth Blessings, which is amazing. Yeah, you got it all, all going on. So that that's I, I like to use Medicine Man as as a broad scope because like yep. um, the healing the healing power of plants mm. is my greatest focus. Yeah, um, in in terms of the work that I, I do and provide. Amazing. Yeah. And you were saying when you're working in these kitchens, you're trying to fuel as many herbs and health foods into the, into the meals as possible. Yeah. What are some things people can add into their cooking at home or really try and capitalize on putting more herbs in for healing properties just in daily life? The really simple things um, mm. is you know, increasing things like garlic, ginger, mm. um, ginseng. Ginseng, yeah, nice. Goji berries, um, mm. cinnamon. Oh, nice. Really simple. I mean, mo most things that you know, like people will have in their pantry. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, there's obviously huge amounts of herbs that you can go go into. You know, like, yeah. Um, example with things like you know, having a a fennel seed tea after okay. a meal will aid digestion. So it'll mm -hmm. not only not only help to soothe the stomach, but it'll increase the rate that you're digesting the meal that you are, leaving you feeling sluggish for a shorter period of time mm. um, through to that's yeah. cool yeah I, I love that and when you're doing the sort of the work that would people would call sort of shamanism or kind of people through journeys for whatever reason yep. um, what are some of the plants that stand out to you and how do you connect with them and work with them through a, a healing or spiritual experience mm. um, I predominantly serve um, Wachuma, like yeah. uh, San Pedro. Yep. Um, due to its nature, mm. um, it's such a beautiful and loving spirit, mm. and it's a way of taking taking both the practitioner and the and the participant deeper into themselves mm. um, but not only deeper into themselves but deeper into the nature of nature so it allows us okay. to see ourselves both separate from ourselves, separate from our thinking mind mm. but to witness how intrinsically entwined we are with everything that surrounds us the spirit mm. of the non-living and living things. Wow. It's quite, quite miraculous how these substances like psilocybin and San Pedro can do these and give these experiences. It's almost like the physical creates a bridge to the spiritual. And 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, the, even the common name um, for, San, uh, for, for what you mean, like San Pedro, mm. um, is so because the way that the medicine acts um, much like Saint Peter in any Christian faith, mm. holds the keys to experiencing heaven on earth. Oh wow! Um, and so once the once the conquistadors came through um, 
South America and tried to Christianize, the medicine was tried to be wiped out mm. um, because it was seen as, as a way of like uh, worshipping the devil. But until one of the one of the one of the priests, one of the monks, um, actually sat with the medicine mm. and realized that for the first time in his entire religious life, he had experienced what it was like to exist inside the gates of heaven wow. while he was still a living. Um, and that's where the, the term San Pedro or, or like St. Peter um, wow. was then applied to, to mm. this medicine. That's really interesting how um, the Western world or the Christian world were trying to suppress this medicine saying it was devil worship. Yeah. But in, in reality, if you look at the lives that each people were living, what's more devilish? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's quite ironic. It really is. Yeah. So what made that jump from you for you, where you were doing um, cooking, catering, and the herbal tonics, moving into more of the spiritual path and working with plant medicines and ceremony and things like that? Was there a catalyst for you or a calling that came through? Um, a, a huge, huge calling. Like I had been, I guess I'd been serving medicine for around 22 years, mm. um, but I'd never really. spoken about it too highly due to the due to the, due nature. To the nature of yeah, it. Of course. Um, but I guess as we've been entering what seems to be a new psychedelic renaissance and mm. people are really starting to move forward mm. with their trauma, um, I started offering these services to more and more people mm. and being more vocal about the the therapeutic benefits of plants. Yeah. And just being a guide for them in, in their experience. Yep. Yep. Well, what are some of the things that a, a shaman has to do when running a ceremony or helping people through that experience? Like, what is the actual role that, and things that pop up during that ceremony that need to be taken care of, like energetically, spiritually, and possibly um, physically as well? Physic physically, it's just tending to people's needs. Yeah. Um, making sure that they're as comfortable as they can be mm. within the space that they're navigating or that we're navigating together. Yeah. Um, on an energetic level, it's maintaining the hygiene of the space, mm. um, extracting and removing any entities or mm. um, blockages that people are people are holding onto. Yeah. Um, physical support. Mm. During you know, highly emotional states, yeah, um, body work to help energy move. Mm. Um, what are some forms of body work to help, to help energy move in, in those circumstances? Is it stretching or uh, stretching, trigger points, um, massage? Okay, beautiful. So you got to be very diverse in your set of skills. Yeah. to run yeah. a ceremony like that. Um, is there anything that's popped up in the past that you've heard of energetically? Like, how do we keep the energy, energy hygiene, and how do we remove things or influences or entities or even releases that come through, and how do we clear those out? Is there a technique or skill for that? There is definitely a skill involved. It's hard mm. to explain the technique because mm. it's different from person to person. Okay. Um, I, I am 
blessed with the ability to, mm. um, I guess, be what the old European pagans would define as a sin eater. Mm. So I can, I have the ability to, through breath, um, swallow your pain, your trauma. Oh, wow. And then transmute that back through my system and mm. send it back to God. Oh, wow. So you, you remove the blockage and heal it for them and send it away? I don't heal them. I, I, don't, I don't heal it. Okay. I just, I just remove it from their system. Oh, wow. That's very cool. I was speaking to a friend about this actually just yesterday. He was telling me about this very technique. Um, and it just seems so radical that the natural ability you have to be able to pull that blockage and transmute it, mm. you know, which is a beautiful gift. Yeah. Wow. And things like um, entities of that nature, is there a method for sending them away through intention, visualization, or just keeping the space safe from that, in that sort of nature? L yeah, I mean, largely, like, once you've extracted something, ideally getting it out of the space mm. um, and then sending it back to light from outside of the space. Okay, beautiful. Because everything, everything wants to be everything. Um, mm. you know, and, and what I find is that most of the time the entities that people are carrying mm. are not necessarily like, uh, when I say entities, I don't mean like demonic spirits or, yeah. or anything. So Just sort of lost or souls that are looking for energy or sustenance? or uh, most, of, most of the time it's, it's something that we've created for ourselves. Okay. So it's unprocessed trauma, unprocessed grief, mm. um, unprocessed anger that we've then fed so much that it begins to take on a life force of its own. Wow. Um, and so people don't, don't really realize that they're, they're harboring this thing inside them um, that through, without shifting their state of being and their state mm. of mind, it's unable to, to be released. Um, wow, okay. So it's just about recognizing that and then mm. whether it's using touch or sometimes talking to it in order to get it to release um, wow. and then physically extracting. That's very, very interesting actually that we're almost giving life to a sub-entity or sub-personality of our own that can then bear its own life force, which yep. is remarkable about the human ability to create, yep. you know, but we're creating every second of the day, I take it then. Wow. Um, and would you find people who don't process these emotions that are building these sub-entities, that comes out in different ways, like whether they're really drunk or yep. we'll triggered. Yep, will always boom. come out in their shadow, in their shadow side. Wow, wow. Is, is there tools people can use to become aware of that and begin to start healing that with it before it becomes a, a bigger problem? Um, probably the greatest tool in terms of what, I, what I've found in, yeah. in terms of like really acknowledging, um, really acknowledging your, your shadow aspects mm. is to get feedback from people who are close to you. Okay. So something that I do in my life mm. very, fairly regularly is to ask five of my closest friends, um, partners, closest friends or whatever, is to provide a 
reflection on my life as to something that I may not see about myself, something that I may not know about myself. Wow. Yeah, that's a um, tough conversation. But a beautiful conversation. Beautiful, yeah, yeah. Um, but then which allows me to to see where I may be projecting, like what shadow aspects may be creeping up, what, mm. um, what areas of my life that I am maybe not living in integrity. True. That's, that's, I like that. That's powerful. And, um, yeah, that, that gives me the basis to really deconstruct um, deconstruct the way that I present and the mm. the way that um, the way that I perceive my actions compared to the way that others perceive my actions. True. You know, even if it's still a, a, as something as um, a few years ago, I one of the reflections I got was, uh, was that I was generous to default. Mm. And then I was just like, okay, so how that gave me a chance to, to look at, you know, how much am I really giving of myself? Mm. Um, That's true. And is there an expectation to receive in return, or true? Am I just generous by nature? That's a very good point. Yeah. Well, it's almost like there's nothing wrong with generosity, but then if you're being overly generous, it could be something else that's it could play, play into um, where, you know, whether it's people pleasing or mm. a form-based trauma response from mm. you know, childhood patterning or True. Like, it really gave me, you know, things like that gave me a chance to dissect of like where, where is this coming from? Mm. Um, I feel like on the, um, on the healing journey, on the spiritual journey, we could find something that we didn't like about ourselves, we heal that and we swing the other way. Mm. And to the point where it's just out of balance again, but yeah, still progress, I suppose. Um, things like spirit guides mm. and of that nature, is there any techniques that you have to have helpers on spirit side or have get spirit guides to help you in, in ceremony or throughout life? Um, I call in my guides most days, yeah, like it was through shamanic journeying. Um, mm. And through, um, I, I'm blessed that I've had the the opportunity to um, exit this physical realm seven mm. times in my life um, through actual physical death. Like a near-death experience, or actually dying? Actually, death. Oh, wow. um, like pronounced dead, and then seven times. Yeah. What what's what's happening with with that? Is that? Freak accidents or something? Um, some of them was early life, like I was born quite premature. Some of them yeah. have been overdosed, some have been accident. Okay. Um, wow, wow. But, yeah. um, and each time has been a, a remembered occasion of leaving yes. and coming back. Yeah. But what took place in that, in that lay time where you were out of body or deceased? Generally, it's the same, it's the same sort of thing. Like, um, much like in astral travel, like I can feel, I can feel and see myself above my physical body, mm. um, and then hear beautiful orchestral music. Oh wow! And then it's generally a moving towards a light. Um, the light's generally either a really bright white light mm. or something with a blue spectrum. Okay. 
Mm. And then there are, you know, as moving towards the light, there are shadows, people. Um, Shadow people? Yep. And other um, angelic people guiding you there, or is it more so? It's generally just, just a straight path. Okay. Um, I'd say that there's more of a feeling of familial mm. people, um, whether it's ancestors or spirit guides or... Wow. But it, it's more of a, a home-based feeling. Yeah. And did, did you go into this light? Or were you sort of, oh, I shouldn't go there because I may not come back? Or any feelings of fear? Or never nev- never no. a feeling of fear. Okay. Um, really just a feeling of, of peace and of home. Mm. Wow. Um, and then much like waking up from a lucid dream, I, you would have that falling feeling and almost like you're falling back into your body and then mm. coming through with shock and whether, whether that shock was, you know, like my heart or my breath starting again or, mm. or, um, you know, the old electrical buzz. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, um. During these times, I take it, did you meet and speak with your spirit guides? Or did they give yeah. you any insights in regards to your life and that sort of thing? No, no insights in regard to my life. Okay. Um, but just the presence of meeting people and, and mm. knowing that, that they were there. Okay, um, wow. And that, that, that I had support outside of this world. Beautiful. And then as I started to as I started to not run from the connection that I had to the spirit realm, mm. because it was rather strong when I was a child. Really? Could um, you share some experiences that, w- that happened to you as a child spiritually that um, shook you a bit? <laughs> or just... Or never really shook me, but like, mm. I would see spirit yeah. constantly. Um, mm. you know, there was an old lady that used to come into my backyard that I would play with. Oh, wow. Um, and I had a lot of like, a lot of my, my friends mm. weren't visible to most people. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. And were they, these were just guides or spirits or just random? Both. All of both, it? Both, yeah, all of it. C- can you see a distinction when you're um, seeing spirits, even as a child, of the ones who are of a high vibration or the ones who are shadow or lost? Is there a distinction in how to pull them up? how to tell which one's serving which purpose without obviously judging of course but you know what I'm talking about yes and no yeah yes and no um, you know I, the only reason that I kind of know who my guides are now mm. is because they've been with me my entire life oh, okay so that familiar, familiar so it's a, it's, a, it's a familiar thing okay beautiful um, you know like yeah, they, they do feel different to some spirits. Mm. Um, it feels more like you know, sharing space with a dear friend or, or a oh, parent. Nice. Or Beautiful, yeah. Because um, I've had experience of seeing spirit. Um, when, it, when it first started off, it was always, you're waking up at 4am, you're good to sleep paralysis type vibes, and then you see a shadowy figure that was a lot of fear will come up, and then they'll say things or do things, and then... I just ignored it, thinking it was just a dream or whatever else, you know, but it kept happening quite a lot. And you just begin to suppress that or don't talk much about it. Yeah. But when I did see um, what I would call an angelic spirit or a different type of spirit where I was just out of body and in this 
almost like a purple portal on the, on the roof just spinning and then this man jumped through it bright big purple aura just glowing and I was more scared than seeing the shadow people because I was like is this, is this guy going to pull me up yeah. to a different world or something like that but um, I became aware that that was one of my guides mm. I've never seen in that way before but just the shock of experiencing an out of world mm. being can be you know terrifying in the beginning but it, it shouldn't really be but it's just all the fear from those sleep paralysis things must have still come up yeah yeah understandably yeah mm. but most of i guess most of my guides are um either my and like my blood ancestors mm. um that you know whether there's one or two or maybe four or five generations above mm. above where i am now okay or um animal familiars Animal. Yeah. Okay, cool. So like I, I work really, really closely with, um, with bears and crows. Oh, wow, yeah. Speaking of the crows, uh, <laughs> I've had crows always follow me around. Like, it's just it's rid ridiculous. More, more so now, and I'm with certain people, they'll just come around or annoy me or every morning at my window or something like that. Well, what is the symbol of the crow and how do you work with them? Uh, the crow is a symbol of transition. Okay. Um, transition and protection. Oh, beautiful. So that, yeah, just the crow or the Australian raven. Mm. Um, the very, very strong protective spirit. Okay. Um, they, are, they are watchers. Mm. You know, like the, um, and if we're looking into, into Norse mythology, like Odin would use ravens as his eyes and send them out every morning to look over the universe and come back and report to him what was happening. Wow. But for me, the crow mainly represents um, a strength and fortitude, like a protection for oneself. Nice. And um, transition. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, when I did first start getting the crows, um, it was a big, big transition. Yeah. The first sort of peering through the veil, I suppose. When, yeah. You know, when quote unquote, like an awakening or yeah. things start to happen in a more sped up, more miraculous fashion. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, they, they quite often say that they are the, um, the connection between this realm and the other. Okay. You know, like they move between life and death. Yeah. Much like the snake, it symbolizes a, mm. a space between, between this plane and the other worlds. Beautiful. And you also work with the bear, is that right? Yeah. And is that your spirit animal? Or the is bear is my spirit animal. Okay, cool. And how do spirit animals work and what kind of things do they bring into your life? Um, both spirit animals and, and really, I mean, we can call upon the medicine of, of any, any animal okay. um, if we choose to work with it mm. um, or if it chooses to work with us. True. But it's, it, it's largely about um, their medicine is their, the attributes that they bring. It's mm. so like, Something like like a bear is um, is strength and mm. power, but there's also a real nurturing element to the bear. True. Um, in the way that they raise their cubs, in the way that they hibernate, the way that they hunt for food. Mm. Um, That's true. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to help you embody more of that energy yep. in your life. Yep. Okay. Cool, man. I like I like that because I was doing a meditation with a lady down in Denmark about calling in your spirit animal and you just call it in whatever comes in comes in yep. 
And then my one came through and it was a snail. And then I was just like, oh, I'm going to ask again, you know, and then the snail's still there. I'm like, ask again and then it's still there. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, what are you trying to tell me, snail? And the snail was just like, slow down, enjoy the present and the eternal now within the shell of the pattern of the Fibonacci yeah. coming through. I was like, cool, I really expected like a dragon or something, you know, but <laughs> snail makes a lot of sense because I do everything really, really quick. Yeah, mm. yeah and so that, that, that calling to slow down is very beautiful. And like, mm. The other, the other beautiful message that the snail brings through mm. is that you always have home with you. You know, like home is wow. home is part of you. You know, where you, you could say mm. home, home is the heart. Or yeah, that makes sense. Um, mm, it makes a lot of sense to me actually, because a lot of times, or in my thoughts, going down tangents and looking for home, looking for family, looking for seeking, seeking, seeking outside. But yeah, I didn't. Put, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> so the, 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 the snail kind of represents a, a mm. always, always having a home with you, or always having a home in your heart, or like mm. never being, never being lost. True. That because, makes perfect sense because home is you. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I actually love that at all. And with also with shamanism as well, you see things like uh, crystals and bird wings. I saw a post of yours with the eagle wing. Well, what are some of the things that those do in ceremony and how do you use them, such as crystals and feathers? Um, I don't use crystals all that much. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they are, they, they're incredible for the people that resonate with them. Mm. Um, the feathers that I will use will be used um, generally to switch. I, I work with raven and an eagle a lot. Okay, yeah. Um, Particularly Raven, like you know, if we're if we're moving through some some dense energy and extracting something that doesn't really want to be there or something that's not necessarily you, mm. um, whether it's like I said before, you know, the manifestation of shadow aspects or yeah. or whatever it is, um, it's a great way of you using the feathers to once we've extracted what needs to be extracted mm. to sweep clear the body and provide a protective coating for it. Wow. Uh, cool, and the raven really helps that process. To, to ground that in. That's cool. That's really cool, actually. I've always wondered how they work with the tools and the tools work with us. And um, do you often or, often or not do plants communicate with you and call you to work with them? Yes. Whether it's a random tree, flower, whatever. Yeah. And um, how does that process occur? Is it just an intuition or do you actually, can you actually communicate with kind of a language or with certain plants? It's a listening. So, I mean, mm. you could call it an intuition. Yeah. Um, whether or not that intu intuition can be heard as a voice or a feeling. Mm. Um, I, I typically navigate that whole spectrum from actually speaking mm. with the spirit to wow. um, just feeling its, its energies. Its mm. what, are, what are some of these plant spirits? Is it like a, is it an over, overarching group spirit that work with a plant or is it an individual every individual plant has an individual spirit every individual plant has an uh, I mean like yes every individual plant has an individual spirit but also every individual plant has well so like a rose is a rose mm. and all roses will have the same attributes yeah. in terms of their medicinal or spiritual properties mm. But then not every rose is the same. 
true. So it, it's about understanding the broad spectrum of what the attributes of that plant is mm. and then building a, enough of a relationship that you can understand its subtleties and True. feel the energies of that plant. You know, like maybe maybe a red bloom from a particular bush carries a stronger essence mm. than a white bloom from another bush or, or makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Not to say that colour has anything to do with the, the potency of the medicine. Yeah. But also the amount of love and intention mm. and care that's been put into the raising of the medicine. True. So as much as like, you know, dill is a perfect example. Like dill is one of the oldest medicinal plants. Mm. Um, and that, I mean the term dill stems from the Norse word dilla, um, okay. which means to love. Um, so it was quite often used... To lull? Yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, like to to pacify. Okay. To, to yeah, calm. That does make sense, yeah. yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. so, it was, you know, A, it's quite often used to, to help children with stomach and digestive issues mm, like and, and, and adults. Okay. Um, but it also helps to calm the nervous system enough that... Um, we're able to relax or have better sleep or okay, cool. move out of really high cortisol states. Mm. Beautiful. And because all the plants have their own spirit, we are spirit as well. Yeah. In the, do the plants need to be consumed for us to work with them? No. Or is that like consent in a way to that, connect? That, that's consent in a way to connect. Yeah. Um, you know, like the best way to, much like with a partner or, or a new lover or anything, mm the best way to build a relationship with a plant is slowly. Mm. You know, like start by touching it, feeling it, smelling mm. it, um, sleeping with it under your pillow so that it begin, begin entering into your subconsciousness. Mm. Um, begin, if you do begin like ingesting, begin with very small doses. You know, like, um, and then increase those doses slowly Mm. And then look at different ways that you can ingest the plant. You know, like can you can you put it into bath water and absorb some of its medicine mm. topically? Um, you know, like how many different ways? How 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 open can you be to exploring all of what this plant has to offer? Mm. So you wouldn't recommend us going all in with a big dose it's just we weave your way in and build a relationship with the plant yeah okay cool yeah yeah and if, if you want to i mean you can just jump in with a big dose yep. um, whatever you're feeling i suppose but yeah but like i mean for me if i want a if i want a long lasting and reverent relationship with a spirit that i'm going to be working with and mm. calling on for the next countless amount of years that I'm mm. on this plane. Um, I want to get to know them, like really know them. True. Wow. And um, you obviously you can use different plant spirits in ceremony and different yep. occasions. They all have their own sort of energy. Are there any plants that you've worked with within, in your career that stand out as a particular, particular 
use in ceremony, whether it's a loving or nurturing or protective for, that you could share with us for an example of? Um, rosemary is an incredibly protective plant. Mm. Um, and rosemary is a feminine energy? Masculine. Masculine, okay. Yeah, rosemary masculine energy. Um, but it's really strong, really, really protective, so mm. like, um, also really grounding. Wow, that's cool. And so, you know, you can either, I guess in, in terms of ceremony, you can either be burnt, um, consumed as tea, mm. even just crush the leaves and, and, smell, and smell them on your hands. Wow. Lavender's another great one. Um, Masculine also? Lavender's very feminine. Feminine, okay, yeah. cool. Um, but you know, like I say, if, if someone has moved through a rather difficult process, mm. uh, whether it's lavender oil or like, you know, just like a little bit of lavender oil and allow them to take a few deep inhales, allow the nervous system to come to a real deep state of relaxation mm. um, and allow the plant to guide them into that. Beautiful. Or, or just simply giving them a sprig of lavender that they can, they can play with, they can touch, they can mm. connect with, they can you know, allow their, the oils in their fingers to break down the oils in their plants and move into the aromatherapeutic wow. benefits that way. Beautiful. Love that. Mm. Um, I had a question for you, but it, it was gone as you were describing that, <laughs> that process. Cause I was really, oh yeah. Well, what are some of the, uh, the strongest aphrodisiacs you found out there? Ooh. They do vary. They do uh, vary? They do vary. Some of the, um, like for me personally and, and for, for male body people, yep. um, I, I definitely recommend Hishu Wu. Hishu Wu, okay. Hishu Wu and ginseng. Okay. Um, in terms of... Any, any ginseng or a certain type of ginseng that's more potent? Siberian. Siberian. Is the best. Okay, um, cool. But it also, aphrodisiacs is a, I guess it's a large field. Yeah, it is very large, yeah. Um, because you have some plants that work on libido, mm. um, and some plants that work on sexual function and hormone balancing. Okay. And so we kind of need to bring those two worlds together. Mm. Um, that makes sense, yeah. And do the aphrodisiacs dif dif differential between women and men? Or can some of them do both? There are definitely some that do both. Okay. Um, and a lot of those ones are, uh, I, I guess, ones that work more on libido. Mm. Um, and by, by means of working on libido, they, they allow us to, to soften, mm. um, to kind of slow down the thinking mind. True. Allow us to be more present in our body, allow more blood flow, um, and so by becoming a vascular dilator, mm. we get more blood moving through our extremities, and the more blood that moves through our extremities, the more receptive we are to touch, the more aliveness there mm. are there is in our skin and in our Beautiful. nervous system. So that also would take us out of fight or flight as well. Hundred percent. Okay, amazing. So Siberian ginseng and Hishu Wu, what are some for the feminine? Um, if, well, I mean, the 
if we're looking at sexual function, yeah. um, because essentially both he, Shu, Wu and ginseng are more geared towards sexual function okay. than, um, than creating arousal states. Okay. Um, but if we're looking at sexual function, then yeah. things like pomegranate, watermelon. Okay. Um, Those red type. Yep. Dam Damiana is a, a, a beautiful, beautiful one that seems to uh, seems to gravitate more to women's arousal than men's arousal. Okay. Awesome. Watermelon pomegranate. Yeah. Yeah, because I do have um, I do have I make watermelon juice. Great. But I do that before the gym for some reason. The blood flow is just in yep. insane. Yeah. And that's, that, that's the same reason it becomes a, an incredible aphrodisiac mm. because you have more sustained blood flow mm. um, and therefore you're more receptive to sensation. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some more questions I need to run through with you, but here we go. Are there certain things that you do for like protecting your own energy or mental energy in this game and also in daily life, like some certain practices that... Um, there, are, there are plant spirits that I work with um, okay. in terms of protection. Mm. Like, I guess like tobacco um, okay. being a, a, a large one. Mapacho and stuff like that. Yeah, either mapacho mm. or, or, or hape. Oh, nice. Uh, and so I will quite often use harpe, especially in and around ceremony, mm. um, just to really cleanse the energetic field and, and keep the keep the mind awake. Beautiful. Is there a difference between doing the mapacho, smoking it, or doing the harpe through the nasal passages? Very different. Yeah. Um, very I, I've different. I've done both. I know the experience is different, but energetic wise, the difference between the two. Yeah, uh, smoking is creating much more of a protective cloak. Okay. Um, and so, like, to be able to smoke and then to, to use the smoke to blow. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a way of cleansing and protecting in, in that manner. Beautiful. Um, where administering harpe, it essentially flushes your auric system from oh, the wow. inside out. Beautiful. I got to get the, yeah. the thing. What do you call that thing where you? Uh, Karupe. Karupe. Yeah. Get one of those. I just yeah. ordered some apache sticks from South America at the yeah, moment. Beautiful. But uh, yeah, I, I got to get into the harpe as well. But um, I mean, due to the nicotine content, it's not the most. You know, it's not something that I would make part of my everyday life. But every now and then. But yeah, when it's necessary, it's it's mm. a beautiful tool to, a beautiful tool and a beautiful ally to, to work with. Even now, I'm just thinking about the time I did harpe. I'm getting the sensation through my brain yeah. right now just by thinking about it, yeah. which is cool. <laughs> um, and I find a lot of plants work that way. Mm. Like once you once you really meet a plant mm. and it really meets you, and you form a rela relationship with it, yeah, you can call upon the medicine of that plant. Um, like you know, whether it's a, a, a visceral memory or mm. that's cool. Yeah, I definitely feel like my partner calls me quite often. Yeah, hope it's not addiction. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I was going to ask you was, um, 
all that, things like past lives. Have you connected with past lives in ceremony or through dreams? And Both. become aware of those? Both. Yeah. Um, whether it's through ceremony, through dreaming, or seeing practitioners to do things like crystal dreaming okay. and past life regression. Um, I say past because what I have experienced mm. um, is that we're current, we're con we're living multiple lives concurrently in different realms. Different dimensions? Yeah, different, yeah. different dimensions. Um, How many do you think? Is there a number that you've got an idea on? Or? I've experienced five. Five. That number's come up for me as well, yeah. actually. <laughs> so that's um, cool. I don't know if there's more or less, but yeah. it, it's, and due to the non-linear nature of time and space, mm. um, it's my belief that what we're experiencing as past lives are currently being lived in another realm, another dimension, another time and space. Like a multiverse yep. type scenario. Cool. And you've actually experienced those, like yeah. stepped in for a while. Yep. Yeah. That's um, awesome. You know, and I've seen myself in situations um, that help to explain why I was navigating some of the issues that I was at that time. Mm. You know, like in one, I, I experienced myself as, um, as an English woman. Oh, and really? my, my spouse or my husband, my partner was mm. quite an aggressive drunk person. And this is happening concurrently or this is past life? I believe this is concurrent. Okay. Uh, or at least for the time that, at least the time that I was navigating this was concurrent. Wow. Um, and at the time, I, I had a lot of difficulty. Um, this is going back a few years, or quite a few years ago now. Mm. But at the time, I was having a lot of difficulty um, articulating and speaking my needs. Mm. And I, I'd witnessed in the past life how, like, whenever I would, you know, like, um, essentially ask my partner or my husband or whatever if we could have more money to provide food because he would be angry that there'd be no food on the table. Mm. Um, and then it would be like straight to choking. Oh, wow. And so that choking, that choking sensation that I was experiencing in other life for asking for what I need was then stifling my ability to ask for what I need in this realm. So it's all like interconnected and affecting one yeah. another. Wow, because something's ha happening to me just recently. I've been eye gazing with people, and sometimes when I'm looking at them, their face begins to change, and I can see them, but in a different yep. guise. It's happening now as, as I'm talking to you. Yeah. So I'm trying to think what's happening there. Am I seeing past life popping up, or different parts of the personality? Because what I'm seeing with you is I'm seeing a very perfect black beard, mm -hmm. small glasses, black gown, as if like in the high up in the Muslim faith. Mm. And then I was seeing a Native American Indian that flicked, and I saw like a Nordic or a, maybe a pirate with a big strong moustache and very mm. super masculine. So I'm just wondering, does that resonate with you at all? Or, or am I just, I don't know what's happening, because this is very new to me yeah. that this is um, happening. 
I'm I'm not sure too much about um, how the different facets of of spirit presents in that manner. Mm. Um, I know the principle behind the amorphous or the the, the shifting mm. um, that we see during eye gazing yeah. is the same principle that's been used for scrying and divination. Okay. Um, for, for centuries, you know, whether it's like looking into a crystal ball or mm. or into a flame, um, it's that single. It's essentially a single point meditation. It's interesting that yeah allows us to see different stuff beyond this realm. That's cool. So it's yeah. scrying in a way too. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Maybe I should try scrying. <laughs> yeah. A big black obsidian yeah. ball would be nice. Have you had much experience with um, psychic phenomena? or scrying or things of that nature or seeing things happen before they happen? Um, to some degree, yes. To some degree, no. Okay. Like my intuition is incredibly strong. Mm. Um, but I don't necessarily see things before they happen. Occasionally in dream spaces, like mm. it, it's, it's something that's popped up Here intermittently yeah. throughout the last 30 years. Okay. Um, how, how, how old are you now? 42. 42. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So you've been you know, doing this for shamanic work for a while now, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. And, and going back to your grandmothers, mm. and you th they were working with, what do you call it, a wedge witch, is that? Hedge witch. Hedge witch. Yeah. And that's working with herbs for healing and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Amazing. So do you find like this stuff is maybe passed down in your ancestry where you've got this internal De drive to De it. Definitely, like my, my lineage is practiced, um, whether you want to call it Druidism or... Druidism, yeah, that's, or I've heard about the Druids. Is that like a spiritual fraternity that had their own herbs that worked with herbs for spiritual growth? Um, both plants and, you know, plants, energy, mm. virility, like sort of sexual energy. Yeah. Um, the druids were, and I guess still are, equal parts priests, seers, healers, mm. noblemen, wow. lawyers. All of it. Um, yeah, wow. they, they were the the figureheads, or you know, that that pillar of the community, much like the shaman is today. Um, mm. You know, if we look at if we look at the you know the Siberian shamans, or the the South American curanderos, mm. um, that that person or those people play play a role within their community that is equal part you know, doctor, therapist, spiritual guide. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. So it's like you're you're sort of stepping into that. Yeah, at the moment. Even, even even jester, you know, like that too. Yeah, <laughs> got to entertain, right? Yeah, and yeah. you know, and that's that's a lot of what mm. um, what traditional ceremony is is um, the ritual of performance, mm. and performance allows us to step outside of ourselves. True. Yeah. Are there any herbs that you know of that we can take or use for things like astral projection or channeling to make ourselves very pure and clear to have these, activate these gifts? 
or is it, is it unique to the individual? Both unique to the individual, but herbs like Kalia um, will increase the ability to astral travel. Really? Kalia? Yeah. I've never heard of Kalia before. Um, I've, got a, I've got a tincture called Dreamwalker. Okay, I'm, I'm buying it. <laughs> um, but it, it essentially promotes lucid dreaming. And so mm. within that lucid dreaming, we're able to separate the separate the knowledge or the thinking mind mm. to a place where we can understand that we're dreaming. And when we understand that we're dreaming, mm. then we have the ability to manipulate that dream into whatever we choose. Nice. Um, and then the, once you have the ability to do that, then you take that into meditation and you can still have that same experience wow. where we're we're existing beyond the body and we have the opportunity to change the reality the reality of the dream the, the rea yeah yeah and now people say that um our life is analogous to a dream this world we're living in now is a dream if we master lucid dreaming and things like that could we begin to master this reality and begin to bend and manifest and warp reality itself absolutely uh, mm. Reality is all perception based. Yeah. So if you change your perception, mm. you change your reality. And that could be anything you want. Yeah. Because my reality is different to your reality. Very true. And Have you had experience with manifestation or setting an intention and having that thing flourish to life? I'm Truth. currently living in the, um, the fruition of my last heart's desire. Mm. Um, Your last heart's desire. Well, the last time that I went in, the last time that I went into my heart to see what mm. it was that I, you know, what was truly alive for me there, what was, what what, what was, mm. um, was a home in the gum trees with my beloved. Beautiful. And we had to take a very interesting route in order to make that happen. You know, we started looking for. We started looking for houses, but none of them had the feeling. That magic. None of, yeah, none yeah. of them, not only the feeling, but like none of them, none of them were the vision that I saw when I looked inside my heart. Not only the feeling of that, but like the actual physical mm. visions. True. Um, so you had like a vision of this, this house yeah. before, and did you find that house? Um, my partner ended up finding it first. Wow! Um, and at the time, at the time, um, you know, like they wanted it to be an all-female-bodied house. Someone else was living there, and so mm. she had the opportunity to take up a room there. Okay. And so it meant that, in order to follow the thread of this vision, mm. she needed to move in there. Um, and maintain the vision for both of us. Wow. Um, and so we ended up living apart for nearly 500 days. You count the days, yeah. yeah. Must be a special kind of love. Yeah. Is, do, do you believe in things like soulmates, twin flames and of that nature, or is that just a bit of buzzwords? Um, I don't believe in twin flames. Yeah. I don't believe that we are half people. Mm. 
I don't believe that anyone makes up our the other part of our soul. Yeah. Um, Good belief to have. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I mean, by that understanding, it means that who we are is intrinsically flawed mm. because we're not whole. And I don't. Yeah, not a good belief to have. Yeah, um, soulmates. I believe we have many. Mm. That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm finding that out. Meeting a lot of different people. I'm like, yeah. And um, when when you first met uh, this, your partner, wife, or yeah. life partner, we can say, yeah. did was it instant connection? Like, she's the one. Or did it, did it grow? Both. Wow. Both. Um, we'd been talking back and forth for a while. Mm. Uh, on the internet and then the first time the first time we actually met she'd come into a, a restaurant I was working at beautiful um, and so I'd, I'd cooked for her or whatever and then before she left I, I came out and I'm like you know can, can we hug mm. um, and during that hug we literally just melted together like the the world stopped the cafe the restaurant, everything was just happening around us. Wow. Um, and that I, could I wouldn't say there was like the feeling of butterflies and excitement. And the, the melting sounds a bit better to me. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was the feeling of coming home. Mm. Um, the feeling of recognizing that I feel like I've known this person for couple lifetimes yeah mm. and then even to to the point where you know our first date was laying on the floor um, listening to medicine music and just gazing off into space not really needing to say needing to say a word mm. you know, we laid together in silence for it could have been hours. It's like creating that energy. Yep. That is this magic, I suppose. And 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 the, the safety to. The safety to completely be ourselves in the presence of another. Yeah. Without needing to. Fill in the blanks or yeah. whatever else. Yeah. yeah, that makes perfect sense. How beautiful, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, a gift, a real gift. Mm. Is is there a key that you found? when it comes to things like manifestation or setting a vision and bringing it to life. Did you do any of those things with your businesses or with your life to set that intention or did you just allow it to unfold? Constantly, constantly. Um, constantly setting intentions and visions? Constantly setting intentions and visions. Okay. And the way, the way that I like to, to approach it mm. is like never create from the space of the mind to go into the heart in a meditation yeah. and like see what's really alive there. Mm. And then be like, okay, so this is, this is what I desire for my manifestation. You know, whatever it is that it, yeah. that is. Um, and this is my current reality. And in order to bring that forth, I know I need to not only believe truly that this has already been obtained, that this is my current reality. I need to I need to understand and witness my current reality, mm. but I also need to currently believe that 
what it is that I desire to manifest is my true reality and that there is no option other than that. That may be a feeling, it may be an actual vision. Um, I don't do it too heavily structured. You know, I, you know like I want to make 150K this year or whatever else. I'm like, yeah, how, how do I want to feel when mm. I make that 150K? All heart, feeling based. Yeah. yeah. And so then that's the vision. And then I need to live my life as if that is my current reality. So every day is just a meditation of just yep. bringing that to life. And ev- I love that. To the, to the point where it's not a meditation because it's a way of life. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I need to. I need every action, every word, every thought throughout that entire day. Mm. From the time I've decided that this is what I want to call into my life, until the time that it becomes fruitful. Mm. I need to live as if there's no other option other than that. Well, and then I look at my current reality and the future vision, and each day I build a bridge. Mm. What is one thing that I can do, physically do today, outside of like, outside of belief and action, but outside of belief and thought and speech mm. but what is a what is a physical action I can take on this day that takes me one step closer on this bridge to that manifestation wow that was, that was so beautifully put I was uh, I feel my body crystallizing to that <laughs> to that truth as you were, as you were saying it That's brilliant all right let's see what else we've got in this I think I wanted to ask you as well, was just, um, I'm seeing some interesting symbols on your tattoos, mm. on the hands there. Could you run us through this one here? Uh, show it to the camera as well and get a nice shot of that. Beautiful. This was, this was given to me by a friend. Um, she channels sigils. Okay. So what's a sigil? Excuse my ignorance. Uh, <laughs> a, a sigil is essentially a, a magical symbol that is used to either bring in or cast out. Mm. So it's essentially like a talisman or an amulet. Okay. Um, cool. She channels them. They just come to her. Yeah. It's amazing. And um, I mean, I, I, I do receive a lot of sigils as well, but this one is not one of mine. Um, okay. And like, she, she received it in ceremony and was just like, this is very different to everything else that generally comes through her channel. Yeah. Like much more primitive than uh, most of the things that she channels. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the question was, it's like, I've received this image. Um, it's very clear that it's for you. Mm. Would um, Would you wear it? And at the time, one of my focuses for that year was to really allow myself to receive to greater depths. And so before I'd even seen the sigil, um, I was just like, yeah, I will have it and I will take it on my 
I'll take it on my left palm, my, like my, my receiving hand. Wow. So this symbol actually pulls in things, helps you manifest or helps you receive? Both helps me receive the, um, if, I, if I break it down, the, the eye is to um, concentrate or to, to boost my intuition. Mm. The cross down here is to represent and to access Christ consciousness. Wow. The squiggly line or the snake yeah. is to allow me to continue shedding my skin with love, mm. to allow me to keep growing and appreciating that whatever I'm growing from was necessary mm. in order to continue growth. Um, the three dots represent the three realms of earth, sky, and water. Mm. And essentially the fan, or like the Ogham style uh, markings, can be used to either propel or um, push in. out or bring in. Yeah. Okay, so it's a multi. Yeah. So you can let things go out of your life as well, as well as pulling them in yep. from a state of higher awareness, cross-consciousness and yep. eternal transformation. Exactly. Wow. Every symbol has a thousand meanings or a thousand yeah. pictures, yeah. yeah. Is there anything else that you do? you work with symbols as well? You said you channeled your own symbols. I, I do work with symbols. Well, what are some of the symbols that you, you work with and how do they, how do they actually operate? Because symbols are a big thing, like Carl Jung and Egyptians, yeah. and I never really got an idea of what exactly a symbol is and how to actually use it properly. Yeah. Um, sig symbols, sigils can be used. Uh, they're essentially an intention-based an intention thing. Mm. But you know, each line creates a marking. Like the last, the last symbol I received was something that my partner now uses um, mm. in, in her business. Um, and like, I guess so the, so the symbol I received is Weaving Worlds because like w what she does is essentially um, hugely transformational sound journeys. Um, and in meditation one day I received this, this incredibly powerful symbol that looks a lot like light language wow. um, or even similar to the, the Tolkien Fey language. Okay. Um, and so once I received the symbol, I'll draw it down as quickly as I can. Mm. Um, and that may just come through in like a, a meditation or... Like a quick flash. Yep. Awesome. And do, do you often get them and they just you forget about them quickly because it's just it's so fast. You're like, whoa, I, I forgot it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, generally, generally, if it comes in strong enough, I will feel it kind of burn into... Oh, wow. Um, burn is a bad description because people associate burn with pain. Yeah. But like... You feel it downloading it, into yeah, your skull. It, yeah, it, yeah it, it becomes very prominent within my awareness. Mm. Um, and so then when I come out of my meditation, I mean, if, 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 I, if, I, if it comes in that strong, I will generally yeah. break my meditation to jot it down. Okay. Amazing. Um, and then later go back into a meditation and be like, what do you, like, show me, show me what you mean. Mm. 
and then that's generally when I will get visual like visuals or, or pictures um, mm. scenarios that play out to help me understand what it is that the symbol represents that symbol actually represents so you're prominently clairvoyant I'm taking it yeah I guess so yeah do you so you often get showed things in visions rather than auditory yes words okay beautiful and you've actually gotten both in your life you can you can you can get both or yeah can get okay. both and um Things like hieroglyphs in the Egyptians and Freemasons and Illuminati, they all have their own symbols. Yep. What are they really doing with these symbols? And communication. Communi communication. Is it like a secret language or is yep. it like a... Yep. Are they trying to access our subconscious mind through symbols? Or? Both. Okay. Both. Um, they're not trying to access your, your, your subconscious mind. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, the Egyptian, obviously it was... A yeah, a lot of the symbols the Egyptian use comes from a, a time pre pre script writing. Mm. Um, so that was essentially a way of communication, a way of storytelling. Mm. True. Then when we look at things like Freemasonry and a lot of the more modern occult orders. Yeah. I mean modern in the grand sense. Grand of scheme, yeah, of course. Terms. Yeah. Um, was generally symbols were generally used as a way to convey information that needed to be or that was desired to be kept privy to certain groups and sects, okay. um, especially in a time of Christian crusades mm. and um, a lot of. A lot of struggle and heartache and, mm. and abuse True. Um, towards any, any practice and faith that didn't align with mm. a Christian worldview. Yeah. Um, so it's like a hidden language. Yeah. yeah. Can, modern, can anyone interpret that by looking at it, meditating it? How do we look at a symbol and interpret its, its true meaning? Is there a, a way that you would go about that, that you know of? No. No, okay. Damn. Uh, <laughs> I mean, symbols are very, are very unique to the path that they come from. Mm. Um, you know, obviously there are there are some things that are quite universal. Mm. You know, like the sh round circles or flared circles representing the sun. Okay. Um, Let's just say the symbols of Illuminati or old occult symbols you look at. Is there any dangers in trying to connect to the symbol, as in to pull the information out of it, in case it's like, let's just say there's a Freemasonry symbol or a Skullingbone symbol, I want to look at it and I really want to interpret it by meditating on it. Is there any dangers involved in that, to connecting to its originator or no. whatever it is? No? Okay, cool. Um, but I would suggest that if you're interested, Mm. in the meaning of symbols, explore the, explore the practices behind them. Mm. So like, if you desire to understand the basis of some Freemasonry symbols, join your local Freemason chapter. True. Like, all, all you need to do is, um, you know, like there, there, there is a criteria that they have, mm. but, um, 
Just rock up and give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, I, I've spent realistically the last 30 years of my life exploring as many religions and faiths and practices as I can. Mm. You know, like I have now, I mean, pro pro predominantly, you know, pagan, druidic, mm. um, Asatru, you know, like the the religions and the faiths of mm. my people. Okay. Astru, I haven't heard of it. Astru uh, is the Norse mythology Norse. and religions. Okay. Amazing. Um, but then, you know, like, I, I've been to Christian churches. Mm. Um, and like, not for short periods of time, like, long enough to long enough to immerse myself in the faith, to study their Bibles, their practices, whether it's like in mosques, in churches. Um, I've, I've practiced various types of occultism from Satanism through to mm. everything, birth worship. C um, can you see like parallels relating all religions 100%. together? A hundred percent. Like you know, the, the the base teaching at the end of most of this is, you know, it all it all comes back to the same root of like mm. love. Yeah. And can you see parallels between Satanism and Christianity? Yes, hundred percent. Do you um, think Satanism? Well, no. Okay. So Satanism is a fairly new religion. Okay. Um, Luciferianism. Different again. An old religion. Um, okay. And there's a lot of parallels in Luciferian Gnosticism um, to early Christianity, whereas mm. Satanism itself was a, a religion that was created in maybe the 40s or 50s. Oh, wow, so it's fairly, fairly new. Um, and that has nothing to do with devil worship whatsoever. Okay. Like, it, it's purely um, a, self, a, a means of self-empowerment. Okay. It's, a, it's about somewhat narcissistic self-empowerment. Mm. Um, is there any spiritual connection in that one or is it more just personal power? All just personal power. I mean, it does, use, it does use a lot of ritual, a lot mm. of ritual that kind of mocks Christian ritual. Okay. Um, it's kind of a balancing between people who, who maybe would have been indoctrinated into Christianity yeah. said, we're gonna make this because I wanna get away from- 100%. Like a counterbalancing Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and so it's essentially, yeah, uh, uh, the, the root of, of Satanism as a religion is taking, taking away the concept that there is a higher power other than oneself. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it all needs to fit in yeah. there. Which one do you resonate with the most from all your research? Um, none. None. Like, yeah. Or dru Druidism. Druidism and, and us are true, primarily. Yeah. Um, but the way that I practice now is drawing elements, you know, like there are elements of Norse and Celtic paganism in my practice. There are elements of Thelema and high magic practices in, in the way that I practice. There's traditional sort of Wiccan and, and other earth magics, you know, like mm some of the teachings of Christ and Allah and Buddha. Yeah. Um, I don't think that any one 
religion, practice, thought process, um, you know, and then obviously a, a whole large draw from core shamanism because most indigenous practices, um, which yeah. tend to all get labelled under shamanism these days. It will get boxed away. And the Christian faith is good at that, at getting everything in this to the yeah. side, that's demonic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway. but the, there are elements within most indigenous practices that um, have congruency. Mm. And so uh, the way that I practice now and the, the, the way that my spirituality has evolved is finding the congruencies in all of the religions, all of the faiths, all of the concepts that I've immersed myself in and yeah. creating something that is uniquely mine. Do, do any other religions that you've come across um, talk about good and evil or have a, a Lucifer or demon type in them? Or is that just Christianity and Islam? Um, it's mainly monotheistic religions, yeah. Mm. Um, where do you think this idea came from for them to implant this figure of dominant power and evil out of because these old religions didn't I don't think had that no I mean and most most of the old religions the gods were very human mm. like the gods would make mistakes the gods would uh, which makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. Th there was no right or wrong there was just mm what is. Yeah. Um, I just find it very interesting that, that all of a sudden this figure, yeah. a Satan figure appears. What's the point? <laughs> I believe it's control. I believe yeah. it's... To implant fear in the minds. Yeah, I believe it's social control. Mm. Um, not that far different than what we've seen the last few years. True, true. Because that was my biggest obstacle going into meditation and spirituality was the idea of a Satan or an evil or something that's so powerful that knows you and can work on your faults. I'm like, that's, and it was just blocking my meditation, it was blocking my connection. Mm. And um, yeah, I, the big hurdle to get over. Yeah. So I, 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 I guess I don't really resonate with a lot of the monotheistic religions mm. or faiths because of that separation of good and evil. Mm. Um, True. I think by nature we are very non-dual mm. and that even the most righteous good person can do abhorrent and horrible acts. That's true. And that's even, there's even proof of that in the Bible. Yeah. Like David, Solomon, these people weren't perfect. Yeah. They were good men, yep. but half the time. And that was, that was enough to yeah. help the world in a way. What was the biggest obstacle that you faced in stepping into your power spiritually and doing the shamanic work? Mm. Navigating the gray space between is this my experience? Is this what I'm actually experiencing? Mm. Or am I insane? <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> and um, how do you begin to build sanity again after you've entered that grey zone of, okay, maybe I'm a lunatic? <laughs> Just due to the cultural conditioning and that sort of stuff. 
um, I had to be okay with not knowing. Mm. I had to trust that what I was experiencing was a gift, mm. a gift for me, um, and that society will and always has believed whatever it needs to. Wow, yeah, that's, that's a good one. I, I, one of my very first um, profound experiences I had with spirit was I started seeing little, um, little bits of light that would just appear, which I could tell was spirit entering. Mm -hmm. And sometimes these would expand and I would see entities come through them. Mm -hmm. And we'd have a small conversation. And the first time I saw an entity, which was an elemental creature, come through. And I just remember looking at that like, what the hell? And um, it was just so real and vivid. And I was like, I'd have to be an absolute lunatic to believe that this is a, a real encounter. And then she replied to me that, don't you have to be? And then just disappeared. I was like, wow, that's a story that I haven't told. You yeah. know, only to very select people, but it kind of, um, then I read like Shakespeare's work where he's like, everything you can imagine is real. Mm -hmm. And that's, I guess, our imagination is so powerful that it may not be imagining anything. It's actually just different worlds that we're entering yep. through the power of our mind. And that's or yeah, creating. Yeah, exactly. And that, that kind of reverts to what I was saying before, like in terms of reality. Mm. Um, reality is perception based. So like my perception of the world is different to your perception, is different to the perception of anyone on the street. Mm. Because we can't live inside of one another's heads. True. We can't live inside one another's hearts. Mm what constitutes reality is different for That's true. all of us. I think if um, people were more honest with themselves and expressed what was really on their hearts and minds, we'd find that we would, we would certainly find reality quite quickly, but the suppression and the secrecy and things of that nature, especially when, you're, well, when I was in the materialistic world, it was sort of, there were social norms and etiquettes that people kept, but you'd find a few people in the office who would break those together, but we, we weren't safe to do it in the, in the, the larger crowd. Yep. Yeah, and it's just, if people spoke up, maybe you could transition that whole thing, but mm -hmm. maybe we're not there yet, who knows? Or <laughs> well, I'm not there yet, it's and my reality. Social conditioning is a, um, it, it's a tricky network to navigate. Because mm. yeah. it, it, it extends so far beyond us. You know, like we're still operating, essentially op operating systems that were handed down from our parents and our parents' parents. Mm. But like it, it takes a long time and a lot of energy and effort to deconstruct that, to realize mm. what's yours and True. what's not. Even the media, the big one for me, because I, I started to realize as I was watching movies, I would be creating assumptions or judgments on men or women by the movies. And I was like, hang on a second, Brett, don't judge women or men or people based upon this movie. This is not real, it's just a yeah. movie. And I had to be like, oh crap, really watch myself because I'm forming assumptions. Mm -hmm. Especially when I was young, I made assumptions about women from movies that I'd be watching, mm -hmm. about like, the drama and this and that. And then it's just like, but it's not real. I got to pull back and start seeing people for who they are. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And like, non-judgment non is, not an easy path to walk. Mm. Um, it's very, like it's, it's very automatic, or has been in 
the more I focus on it, the more I pull away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, I quite often, whether it's to myself or, or to, to friends and family or mm. people that I share space with, like, my life's work is, I truly believe my life's work is non-judgment and loving kindness. Mm. Um, that is my greatest spiritual practice. Very Christ that's consciousness. Some, that's no. something that I, I've carried for, for years. It's just like, mm. how can I meet you with, how can I meet you with compassion that allows me to understand more of who you are, what your needs are. Mm. I, I have lived a life that is been far from holy. Um, I guess we all have, I suppose. Yeah. And so, like, the greatest time that I really began to find who I was at that point in my life mm. was when I was at my lowest. You know, it's when I was able to lay in the gutter and look at the stars. And really meet yourself from and, and And meet myself in that. Mm. And to realize that if I can have compassion for myself in, in my lowest points of my life, then, and you know, by nature, uh, I have always been my worst enemy. Mm. Um, I guess we all have been yeah. our worst enemy, yeah. And so I I'm like, if I, if I can, if I can meet myself compassionately and hold a place of non-judgment for myself so that I'm able to change the trajectory of my life and my life's path, mm. then my greatest practice is to extend that to everyone. Yeah. Sometimes it's the hardest to have compassion for ourselves. Mm. So I find it a lot easier to ask questions for other people. When it comes to myself, I'm like, I hold myself to a much higher standard, which is just not attainable. Yeah. yeah. I got one final question for you. What advice would you give to people who are just starting out on, on their journey, getting into spirituality, getting into shamanism, or just looking to expand their horizons and struggling a little bit? Mm. Um, in terms of like shamanism or, or medicine work, I think medicine work, or even just in the early stages of uh, their sort of awakening to the grander yeah. scheme of things, and that can be a bit of a, a struggle to navigate all the worlds, you know? Mm. What would my advice be? Be gentle on yourself. Mm. Beautiful. That's self-compassion. Love it. All right. I think we'll wrap it up. That was a good hour and 45, I think. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you very much, bro. Right, thank you. That was amazing. That was a fucking grand time. Um,